Chapter 15 of What the Boys Did Over There by Henry Fox This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. With the Ammunition Train by Frederick Gerald McCavity, Gunner Number 91805, 8th Battery, Canadian Field Artillery. It was back in 1914 when the word came to Canada for soldiers to serve for king and country. As I was very young, not quite 18 years of age, I thought I would like to enlist and go to war, not really knowing what I was going into. At that time, anyone enlisting under age had to have his parents' consent, which I will say was no easy matter. After having a little battle of my own with all my relatives, I finally managed to get the signature of my parents. We went to camp a few days later and had about two months' training at Valcartier and then sailed for England. After training a few months in the old country, we sailed for France the early part of February 1915, where we first got our taste of war. I was more than surprised, because I was young, and my idea of war was sniping at each other from behind a tree or stump. But this trench warfare was a new thing. At that time I was attached to an ammunition column which fed the guns with its ammunition. Then it was a case of starving the guns, because the shortage of ammunition would only allow each gun of each battalion four rounds a day and as the soldiers call it out there, they had our wind-up all the time. We had lost quite a number of men at Ypres and pulled out of that position for another part of the line when I was wounded on the forenoon of September 21st. It was only a slight wound in the left foot. After a few months at the hospital and proving A1 again, I was sent back to the line and joined my unit at Plugstert in the fall of the same year. Now, as you know, the fighting was not so great, but the hardships were terrible through the winter. It is simply wonderful what a human being can stand. If anyone had told me before I enlisted that I could lay in mud and water for day in and day out, I think I would have called him a liar but I have come to the conclusion that nothing is impossible nowadays. Some days when it was a little quiet, we would spend our time fixing up our bivouac, which we had built on the ground as huts to live in. After the winter of 1915 and the spring of 1916, we moved to the Ypres salient, and we had a pretty tough time of it there as they had us pinned in the shape of a horseshoe, and they could hit us from all sides except the rear. The Germans had us overwhelmed at that time, but even with their wonderful fighting mechanism, they couldn't drive back the fighting race from North America. We fought on in the salient until July 1916, when the 1st Division got word we were to move to another front. It was rather a surprise. We thought we were to have a rest at that time. The fighting was heavy on the two fronts, the Somme front in France and the Salonica front in Greece. 
so it was a question with the boys which one we were going to. At last word came to move somewhere, and after a number of days on the train and on foot, we at last came to a sign along the roadway marked Somme River. Well, then we knew we were on our way to the Somme front, going into action the same night. We arrived on the battle scene, and that was the introduction of the Canadians in the Battle of the Somme. It was a tough fight, and we lost a number of men, but it was much worse for poor Fritzy. We had it pretty rough all the time on the Somme, and oftentimes when the rations did not get up from the divisional train, we had to lay back on the hardtack, which looks like dog biscuits, and we thought one of these biscuits dipped in bacon grease was a great treat at that time. I fought on the Somme through the summer of 1916 until the fall of the same year, and in the early part of the evening of November 9, as I was in horse lines of our battery, having a nice friendly game of crown and anchor, the corporal of my section called me from my game, I was winning and did not like to leave the game, and said, McCavity, you will go up with rations to the battalion tonight. I think you'd better leave about eight o'clock. Well, I went back to the game and played until eight, and then I started for the line. As we placed the rations over pack horses and started to plow through the mud, leading our horses, it was a case of ups and downs, stepping in a shell hole here and on a dead body there. Fritz was putting a lot of gas shells over, and it was getting late in the night and raining like hell. We had one of our boys up in the air by the concussion of a shell, and he also lost his ration. At last we got to the battery. The gas shells still poured over, and the Major gave us orders to get back as quickly as possible after delivering the goods. I think we were about fifty yards away from the battery when a big shell burst, or at least a Jack Johnson, as the boys called it. The boy behind me, the one who lost his ration, said to me, Mac, we had better hurry as it was pretty close, and let me tell you the next one that came over got both of us, killing him and wounding me severely. At 11.20 p.m. on the eve of November 9th, after spending nearly two years in hospital, I was discharged May 1918 in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. End of chapter 15